the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. Hold on, let me start that over. Hello and welcome to the Robert Stack Podcast. We're the podcast that gives you all the best Robert Stack information that you could ever want. The Racks on Stacks, the Robert Stacks. Uh, Hey, I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, if you haven't, uh, if you couldn't tell from that intro, uh, we're giving you a Robert Stacked episode. Uh, We are going to be breaking down the 1980 classic comedy, Airplane. And we are also going to be doing a fan casting of airplane using actors of today. And then we'll be doing a review of the, uh, I don't know, this mystery, sci- almost science fictiony sometimes, kind of mystery, like strange, suspenseful show, Unsolved Mysteries, that was uh, hosted by Robert Stack. If people, you don't know him, Robert Stack was awesome. Great voice. I mean, most people, I think I, most people know him from Unsolved Mysteries. That's what I do. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Robert Stack. We talked about him when we talked to the Transformers movie. He was in Transformers? Yeah. He oh, was that was the, uh, the cartoon. The cartoon. The car- <laughs> I went to Shia LaBeouf for some reason in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That one. Uh, yeah. Great voice. Um, yeah. And us being the Robert Stack podcast, here's some uh, Stack facts. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, born Charles Langford Modini Stack in Los Angeles, California. Uh, but his father decided to call him Robert. He spent much of his childhood in Adria and Rome, becoming fluent in French and Italian at an early age, and he didn't learn English until returning to Los Angeles when he was seven. Huh. That's impressive. Uh, His parents divorced when he was a year old, um, but later they remarried, but then his dad passed away when he was 10. So kind of a crazy little, you know, family dynamic there that happened. Uh, Robert Stack passed away on May 14th. 2003 at the age of 84 in Beverly Hills uh, and he uh, is uh, buried at the Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery in Westwood California which is Los Angeles so that's it all right yeah he married Rosemary Bow I don't know if that uh, I don't even know who she is I don't know I'm literally clicking her <laughs> Wikipedia right now to be like who are you uh, she was an American model oh okay that's best known for appearances in several films in the 50s yeah she is very attractive Good for you, Robert Stack. Or good for you, Rosemary Bow, because you got to marry Robert Stack. Uh, anyway, those are my stack facts. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, all I need to say on that. But 1980, fantastic year. is a, a year that one of us was born. Yeah. So it's a very special year for one of us. Uh, how about uh, you tell us about that, John? Yeah, so this movie came out on July 2nd, 1980. It's about, I don't know, five or five or six months or so before I was born. Uh, the Billboard Top 100 single of that week is a song called Coming Up by Paul McCartney. I did not listen to, and I could not. I could not tell you what it sounds like. Yeah, certainly don't recognize it just by name alone. Topping the Nielsen ratings was actually a tie that week between two kind of classic uh, sitcom TV shows, and that was Mash and Three's Company. 
Okay. MASH, have you ever gone back to watch MASH? You know what? I did. The last time I watched it was at your house because our dad was blaring it. He had uh-huh. Our dad listens to TV way too loud. Um, <laughs> but he had MASH on, and I did not enjoy the episode. Oh, it really? was very dramatic. Okay. That The episode that I happened to see was very dramatic and just not very, I don't know. I didn't get like that Hawkeye quick wit with with it. It was a lot yeah. more intense. And I think they, they had episodes that kind of went back and forth. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you, you see that with, with some sitcoms and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll throw in a serious show every now and then. Yep. Um, so I actually didn't watch it until a few years ago um, when our dad was going through his throat cancer. And okay. I came to visit him, and he pretty much just had MASH on the whole time. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of sat on the couch and watched it, and actually, it, it, it was a pretty good show. I'm not going to lie. You dug it? Yeah. It was, okay. it, 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 you know, especially for a show that was, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it definitely deserved the hype that it got. Fair enough. I, yeah. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. It's funny, when I went and spent the time with Dad um, during that same time, he was watching The Rifleman. Oh yeah, uh, like which is a real, which is an old like Western kind of show of, yeah. uh, about a guy and his son and, and his rifle like, and his rifle. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, used to do that cool flip with the rifle. Yeah. Yes, he did. Exactly. It was very cool. I'm gonna say I, I've tried that once. Once. <laughs> once. <laughs> I just checked, John. We haven't done the year 1980 since our third episode with Blues Brothers. Wow. That's that's the only other time. In 150 plus episodes that we have done the year 1980. That's ridiculous. Eh, kind of. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book that would eventually become a great movie series, in my opinion, which was The Born Identity by Robert Ludlum. Oh, okay. I still, I haven't actually seen any of this, the movies, <sighs> and I, I know I need to. It's, it's definitely on a... You know, for somebody list. who's kind of a, like a, a cinephile, you, I'm finding a lot of movies, <laughs> including this one. Yeah, that <laughs> that you hadn't seen. Yes, that was uh, that is a big aspect, and we've mentioned it in a previous episode or a couple episodes. Yeah, a few times that I've never seen Airplane, and that was a huge reason why you put it on our list to be like. I mean, one, you already you you you're a fan of the movie. Oh yeah, I know that you've seen it. Um, but I think when when you heard that I hadn't seen it, one you were like you about flipped out. I thought you were gonna reach your hand through Skype and choke <laughs> me and be like, "What the hell is wrong with you, Adam? You dumbass!" Um, but yeah, this this was the very first time I've ever seen Airplane. All right, well, finishing out 1980, uh, video game players, uh, especially in the arcade, were playing a game called Missile Command by Atari, which I definitely oh, remember heard, yeah. the name. I'm not sure I've ever played it though. Uh, and little fun fact about 1980. In 1980, uh, a young man by the name of Saddam Hussein received the key to the city of Detroit. <laughs> Woo! Good job, Detroit. <laughs> I'm sure they're not regretting that decision at all. Yeah, exactly. Oh wow! That was 1980. That is a uh, wild, wacky stuff, John. That's for sure. Wild stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well. Let's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to transition into Airplane because it's so kooky, but um, yeah, let's, uh, without further ado, let's get into Airplane. All right, Airplane from 1980. This was this film was written and directed by Jim Abrams, D- David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker. Uh, together, they also worked on projects like Top Secret, Naked, The Naked Gun Stuff, and Police Squad. Abrams also directed Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Two. Uh, David Zucker also directed Basketball and Scary Movie Three and Four. And Jerry Zucker he directed Ghost, 
Mm. First night and rat race. So Okay. Interesting. All movies I've seen. Yeah. Uh music for Airplane was done by Elmer Bernstein. Uh, and he's done some other kind of comedies that you would have heard of. Uh Wild Wild West. Jumped up to the Wild Wild West. The this is the uh the Will Smith version, not the uh the old show. Mm-hmm. Uh Canadian Bacon. Mm. With um, John Candy, yeah. Three Amigos, Funny Farm, Ghostbusters, Trading Places, Stripes. And then he also did music for some real classics. Uh, the John Wayne True Grit, Ooh. To Kill a Mockingbird, Magnificent Seven, The Great Escape. This guy has some uh, some actually amazing film credits to him. Yeah. So he is a great classic film uh, film score. Yeah. Uh, the cast. We have uh, Steve McCroskey is played by Lloyd Bridges. You know him from Hot Shots, Sea Hunt. It was his old show way back in the day. He had a bunch of episodes on that. Just tons of stuff from Lloyd Bridges. I remember him also as Grandpa Ma- Mendelbaum in the Seinfeld episodes. So, yeah. But th- this will not be the only time I mention Seinfeld, John. <laughs> we will bring it up. I'll bring okay. it up later. Okay. Also, I'll, he's I'll the father of... Uh, of oh, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges and Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Have we done? We haven't done a. Oh, I was about to say we haven't done a Jeff Bridges. We did Tron, yeah, um, and we have done a Bo Bridges uh, movie as well. I've done at least one, if not two. Sidekicks. So. He was in Sidekicks. Sidekicks. Exactly. So yeah, we've. Hey, this la- this rounds out the whole Bridges family. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, Roger Murdoch is played by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, NBA legend. He is the all-time points leader in the NBA. Um, I do think there is a chance that. LeBron James will pass that. He mm-hmm. is I think LeBron James is currently third on the list okay. and he's still got a good few like 4000 points to to go. But he I don't think he's going to stop playing for like another 5 years. Okay. LeBron if anyone has a guess. chance of doing it, it's probably him. Yeah. But as of right now, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the all-time points leader, so Captain Over is played by Peter Graves. Uh he was Classic Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a show called Fury, which was a Western that he had a whole bunch of stuff. And he's been into just a bunch of stuff. Peter Graves has been tons. Elaine is played by Julie Haggerty. She has been in some things called Just Friends. or That, that was that Ryan Reynolds movie, Just Friends. Oh, yeah. um, Marriage Story was recently. That was with Scarlett Johansson. Um, she was also in the sequel to this one. So um, Ted Stryker was played by Robert Hayes. And he was also in the sequel... He was the dad in Homeward Bound. Oh, okay. If you can kind of remember that. And he also voiced uh, Tony Stark slash Iron Man in the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s, as well as a short-lived Iron Man cartoon that they tried, but it really only lasted like one season. Okay. Dr. Rumack is played by Leslie Nielsen. You should know him from the Naked Gun movies, Mr. Magoo, Spy Hard, a lot of silly stuff exactly like this. Dracula dead uh, and loving it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Maybe that should be our next year's Halloween episode, or this year's, I mean, as we're into 2021. I don't know. That would kind of, I mean, it would be a Halloween episode that no one called for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what was that Eddie Murphy one, too? He had a Dracula one that was pretty crappy. I don't oh, Something in Brooklyn, Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. That one, that one looked pretty bad. I never actually saw that one. I didn't either. And then Rex Kramer is played by Robert Stack. I gave you all of his uh, little life uh, moments a little bit earlier, but he's from Unsolved Mysteries. I actually also remember him as kind of like the douche villain from Caddyshack 2. I don't know if, if you ended up ever seeing Caddyshack 2. No, I've never even seen Caddyshack 1. Okay, there you go. Uh, but Robert Sack's been in a bunch of stuff as well. This film has uh, grossed 158 million worldwide, and its budget was a mere 3.5 million. Nice. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the the, the there's not many sets. You know, yeah. you you have the cockpit, you have 
uh, you know, kind of like the the radio ground room area, mm-hmm. and you have like the the airplane. Yeah, like, it's all just <laughs> in a sound studio. Very kind of simple to do. And then this film is highly regarded as one of the funniest movies of all time. It almost consistently hits in like the top 10, top 20 of like different lists that are the the best comedy slash parody or whatever, just, just the funniest movies, period. Mm-hmm. So um, even I think it was, I don't know if it was Rolling Stone. I can't remember. It says on Wikipedia, but I cannot remember it. It was like number two to the funniest movie of all time, only second to Monty Python's Life of Brian, I think it was. Mm. Which all that stuff is just, you know, it's a couple people commenting. I mean, it's a humorous objective. Right. So it's still, I, I would never put Life of Brian above Holy Grail. Are you kidding me? But that's just me. <laughs> and I'm and I'm nostalgic for Holy Grail intensely. Yeah. So, all right. Let's get started with our breakdown of the film. We start off with a Jaws parody. <laughs> kind of cute. So, the, and, and I'm going to, as, as I mentioned before, this is my first time seeing this. Mm-hmm. And I... This is not the first time I've seen these kind of farcical comedies. Right. You know, I'm a definite fan of Top Secret. I think that was on our list. It's on our list sometime to do as well. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of, like, the Naked Guns or a lot of Leslie Nielsen stuff, like the Mr. Magoo, Spy Hard, all that, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Mel Brooks-style farcical comedy stuff, I'm definitely a fan of. Right. And, as I said, um, yeah, Hot Shots, definitely a fan of, like, the Hot Shots parody stuff as well as uh, Top Secret. So, yeah. Getting, getting that recognizable Jaws thing kind of with the tail in the clouds. I was like, okay, <laughs> cute little chuckle. I thought that was good. At the airport, we he- we overhear these, uh, these announcers fighting right. <laughs> about the red zone and the white zone. I thought that was funny. I thought it was hilarious. Kept, it kept escalating. <laughs> like I, I liked it at the beginning. I was like, oh, this is funny. And then it escalated and got about into abortion <laughs> and all this other shit. I was like, okay, that's cool. I mean, that's funny. I like that kind of humor, so... I like that they they went somewhere you didn't expect it to go. No, I thought they were just going to keep getting angrier and angrier <laughs> at each other about that, and then they would be like having a you know you hear like a gunshot or something. Right. But no, they went to a whole different <laughs> spot with that. <laughs> so that was good. Um, just a bunch of little different visual gags that we see. Uh, we meet Ted, who is a taxi driver. Um, he kind of pulls up real quick and leaves as a guy gets into his car. And we also see that because of this big, dumb ground crew, this guy kind of points this other dude in a direction, and then a plane goes there and goes through a window. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big, like, almost action-y looking shot, and I've seen that I've seen that shot specifically before, like, in just clips of airplane or something. Yeah. I didn't realize it was right away and just was, like, a almost a throwaway gag. Yeah. Like, having that plane come through there, like, it didn't come back. It wasn't, like, anything. And not to say this is just a, you know, silly comedy like that. You're not going to get those jokes creating plot points. But I always, I do remember seeing that shot because the second we came, it went to the shot of the big window and the plane's nose going through. I was like, Oh, I've seen that Mm -hmm. somewhere in a clip. I wonder if they didn't take that from something else. It did look like that, didn't it? It, The the shot itself looked completely different than the rest of the style of the movie. Yeah. And so I I thought I wouldn't have been surprised. I, I agree if they did just purchase a clip from some other movie that had that. So that's uh, definitely possible. Uh, we see Elaine, uh, the love interest, and Ted. They're they're a couple, but they're having issues. She's not happy with him about I can't even remember, but you know that th- it's the thing they have to try to mend the relationship. A couple of, like a quick fourth wall break as he turns to the audience and says, uh, "What a pisser! What a pisser!" <laughs> uh, he's just upset about what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. We we meet Captain Over. 
we get a joke about the Mayo Clinic. I mean, there's a lot of wordplay yeah. with this film, and it's it's going to be impossible for me to want to and and have the time to break down every visual gag and every line yeah, in the movie. But I'll you know I'll do the ones that I think feel like they stand out. Uh, this the Mayo Clinic one, cutting to the guy on the phone with all this Mayo <laughs> behind him, and then but still talking cancer and all this other kind right. of stuff. I don't know. It was. It is funny. Give me ham on five. Hold the mayo. All right. Give me ham on five. Hold the mayo. It, that whole, it felt like that whole setup was exactly for the hold the mayo joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was 100%. But it. I mean, we, that does kind of forward the plot a tiny bit in that he talks about a girl that's going to be on the flight and you do see the girl on the flight. Yeah, that it absolutely is the thing. And I, I, yeah, I'll talk about that <laughs> when she shows up. I enjoyed that part. Um, all right. So you enjoyed the suffering of little girls. I, it was, uh, yeah. All, <laughs> all right. We'll talk we'll about that. We'll get there. Uh, we cut back to Ted, who, you know, apparently at, at, at this time in airports, there was a bunch of like Harry Krishnas and yeah. other kind of people who would like basically beg for money or other things like that, which does not happen now in airports. No. They've kind of shut that shit down. But, you know, Ted Punch is a religious guy. Haha, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. And then we see a plane. Also, we kind of see the plane being worked on as if it's like, a you know, at a mechanic's place and the pilot, Captain Over, has to like use his credit card. or. So it, Did you notice who the guy was, the mechanic? It looked like uh, Dynamite. Was it him? It was. It was Jimmy Walker. Okay, I wasn't. I didn't actually check it but because I was like, eh, looks kind of like him, but I doubt it. But it was. Okay. Yeah. And we talked about him when we talked the Giver. <laughs> Man, now is the airplane is airplane gonna be as bad as the Giver? We'll see. No, I'll let you know about my comments at the end. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, no, it's probably pretty obvious. I've talked about how much. No, yeah. We then meet Roger Murdoch, who is uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, but he's just playing like a a regular pilot. Yeah. Ted decides to buy a ticket to the plane that Elaine is working uh, that she because she's a flight attendant, so that she's working on. A, a good little visual gag here where the lady asks, do you want smoking or non-smoking? And he says smoking, and it's the ticket that is actually smoking yeah. and not like the section. Do, <laughs> you, do you remember when there was actually smoking sections in planes? It has been so long. I can't say I really, really remember it on planes. I definitely remember it in like restaurants and other right. stuff like that. But yeah, planes, that's tougher for me to remember because they got rid of that pretty quick. Yeah, it, I definitely have a vague memory of that actually being a thing. Okay. I think I'm just old enough to have remembered being on a plane mm-hmm. um, when there was a smoking section. Like, I don't have a specific memory of being on a plane and it being, you know, which is stupid because where's the smoke going to go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. you're sitting in a tube. There's not like a plexiglass window separating those sections <laughs> Ex- or what Exactly. Yeah. We do kind of see that Ted, he's got some issues. He is scared of flying or he's got some kind of problems with planes right now. So, uh, something from the war, and that'll be something that kind of keep it kind of defines his character. Mm-hmm. But he's determined to get Elaine back, so he is um he gets on. We get some guys that we'll kind of cut back to every now and then, two guys speaking jive. Shit, man. That hunky muff me mess my old lady. Got to be running cold upside down his head, you know? Hey, hey home, I can dig it. No, he ain't gonna lay no more big rap up on you, man. I say, hey, Sky. Subba say I won't see. Uh-huh. Pray to Jay, I did the same old, same old. Hey, Mac yourself a pro, slick. The gray matter back, lot performers down, not take TCB in, man. Hey, you know what they say? See a broad to get that booty yak <laughs> Leg her down or smack him, yak him. Cold got to be. You know? <laughs> Shit. Uh, I do 
find this one humorous. They're kind of they they have their captions, but it does work really well. Actually, you know, if you if you listen to them without captions, you can absolutely still you know you can understand that it fits really well. It's not like it's not like they didn't pick random jive that didn't work right. with it. Like it actually really fit. So yeah. you just have to listen and pay attention. And I and it's also humorous that all the signs on the plane are in both English and jive as opposed <laughs> to English and Spanish. Right. We also get kind of a random gag here of a couple leaving on the plane as if it's like a train and it's kind of leaving this the station. I didn't like that bit. I could have done without. That's like the one bit where I was like, eh, I could have done without this one. Fully cut it out. We don't need these people are literally just there for that one gag. It wasn't even that good. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely uh, one of my, I guess, minor issues with what I've seen so far. Great use of i'm gonna say phonics humor right here um or homophones words that sound similar this is a line that i've heard plenty of times this is uh murdoch and over and uh victor whatever the other guy in the cockpit the navigator and they are like prepping the plane to leave (laughs) and you get that classic line what's your clearance clarence roger roger what's your vector victor roger all right request vector over what Flight 209er, clear for Vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our Vector, Victor? All this, this kind of stuff, exactly like quick stuff. And I always, I do, I very much appreciate every time someone like over the radio is saying Roger as if to like end a conversation. <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar goes, huh? Like, every, like they have it, they have it really well done in sync. I mean, it is very similar to like that, you know, who's on first kind of style humor. Right. Um, but it, it is, it is, it feels old. But when you actually, when you really like break it down and see what they're doing, like it works really well. It's it's smart yeah. actually. It seems dumb, but it's smart because it's just, it's wordplay. It is yeah top top tier wordplay. I like smart wordplay jokes. Mm-hmm. Those are always I'm I always enjoy stuff like that. And this movie is full of that kind of stuff. Yeah, puns, all that kind of stuff. I mean, not even like not like like dumb puns, but like exactly. It's like it's higher wordplay puns that that work and are, are have add to the humor and so when you hear it multiple times you'll hear more of those things in that those kind of jokes and be like oh wow there's more depth to that joke and i like it i appreciate it even more mm-hmm. and so i think that's probably why this movie definitely stands the test of time with people on um, its comedy value because you can re-listen to it and you will get different jokes or you will hear other kind of things that you probably miss because there's a lot of quick visual gags and mm-hmm. quick quick just wordplay gags that you know you're you're gonna miss. It's like these little Easter eggs that everybody pulls out in Marvel and Star Wars movies. You know, there's gonna be a bajillion little visual gags in the background that you didn't see before. Mm-hmm. So you watching it a couple times, you'll see more of it, and you're gonna be like, oh wow, that's that's even better than I remember. Yeah. Uh, again, Ted is just kind of nervous about the flight. Elaine sees him, and we then get a flashback of them and how they met in the war, uh, and then we get another scene I didn't really care for which is a weird kind of Saturday night fever moment. Yeah. It 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 works back in 1980. Saturday night fever was very topical. Mm-hmm. Um and it was a very big movie the BGs were huge, but like as of right now I'm just like eh, it doesn't <laughs> it didn't work as well for me, but I I see what they were doing and it makes sense for the time. You know, he Ted is acting like Travolta as they dance and they fall for each other. Now what does work for me? Now this would not work for a lot of people. <laughs> especially in 2021, but Ted is telling this story to an old lady. <laughs> and we start off when we come out from this, this story of, uh, this is something that will reoccur quite a bit, and I enjoy every single one of them. This is the best one, though, also partly because it's the first. 
we are just tied on Ted's face and we pull back this lady that he's been telling this boring ass story to her feet are just dangling right beside him. <laughs> she has hung herself. And while he says, Oh, I hope this hasn't bored you so much, but he also at the same time, isn't looking over, isn't like engaged or worried about her. Really. He just kind of says it. And she's just, she's hung herself because it's such a, a boring ass story. I love that kind of humor. And I do think they played it off. Well, all a lot of people would just nowadays dive off into the, Oh my God, suicide's not funny. And I'm like, eh, no, in, in this moment, I'm laughing. <laughs> also, partly the plane's not that high. How could she, how could she hang herself? That doesn't make any sense. She was shorter than you thought. Yeah, I guess so. We meet this boy, Joey real quick. He apparently wants to go see the captain uh, and also a little side joke, which actually I thought was kind of funny. Um, but also pretty unnecessary. Two other random kids are drinking coffee, acting like adults, and the kid says, "I take, I take my coffee black, uh, like my men." Uh, and I was like, "Kids say the darndest things, don't they, John? That's you're adults. You're you're acting like adults. That's funny." That actually turned into a huge meme this year. Oh, that was I saw it all over the internet with with those kids. Yeah, that, it was specifically pic- the specifically the uh, I take my coffee black like my men. OK, we then get another flashback of Ted and Elaine and she remembers them on a beach. And I, I felt like it was a parody of something and I just haven't seen it. Um, maybe Blue Lagoon or something. I'm not really sure. But um, they kind of have seaweed all over them and a, a lo- another little fairly funny joke. It wasn't great, but uh, mm-hmm. but I did appreciate he's telling her like all this detailed information about his mission that he's beginning going to. And she's like, oh, OK. And he's like saying, yeah, we're going to be doing this and this and this. And she's like, OK, when will you be back? He's like, I can't. That's classified. So it's ah, ha, ha, kind of it was kind of funny because like he just spilled all this likely classified information. Right. Uh, little Joey goes into the cockpit <laughs> and. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is probably the reason we're really having this on here, because you made one of these comments to, maybe it was one of the Garcia brothers, maybe mm-hmm. it was somebody else, I can't remember, and that brought up the whole idea of airplane, but John, do you want to tell this line to everybody? <laughs> well, I mean, God, anyone, I, I imagine the vast majority of people who are listening to this have seen this movie before, mm-hmm. and the reason you're tuning in is because you know Adam hasn't seen it, and you want to hear what he thinks about it, but I mean... You get. I think you get two really good jokes out of the scene. One, you get the classic. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? You know the, that whole thing with Peter Graves. That's going to come back a few times. And then I think to me it actually got a little bit f- funnier this time because I think it paid more attention to it. Is when he recognizes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. As Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, that's exactly. That's the next little bit. I like that quite a bit because he recognized him as Kareem and he's like, keep pushing him. And Kareem's like, no, no, at first. And then he finally lets it slip when the kid's kind of like (laughs) ripping on his play. Right. He doesn't do defense. And he's like, listen here, you little fucker. Uh, I do. It's it's hard to play out there. And so it's kind of like, all right, that's funny. He's playing this character who's actually himself. That's funny. Yeah. To go back to the grown man naked, that joke, I've only heard that joke really out of a random context from you, I think, talking to little boys. Not really. That's a joke. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Shit. No, you talking to just you making that joke. Right. Just off the cuff randomly. Uh, that joke really does work for me here um, because I'm seeing it in the context of what a pedophile Captain Over is right. and him trying to actually. And I always thought it was just like an off the cuff dumb line. Right. But no, he's subtly. <laughs> Trying to make a play on this boy. Yeah. And it's funny because it's so overt, but so ridiculous and just like, it's insane. Yeah. 
it is all fun. It's funnier in context than from what I've heard before. So I'm actually really glad I have seen this now to understand that joke and get that, okay, this is actually funny. It's not just some dumb line that people are saying because it's a dumb line. Right. And that's not even my favorite one out of the one he says. Yeah, we got, we got, I know I've heard you use the other one later, which will more, which will come up. So Ted and Elaine are still not working through their issues. We get a flashback of Ted's flight issues. Uh, Apparently he like survived a crash and made a, made a mistake and, Six or seven people have died. Um, Elaine was in like the hospital with him. And we also see these other people with issues, including an Ethel Merman gag, which was strange, but probably funnier in 1980. Well, I think that was actually Ethel Merman. It was. It was was someone who thought that they were Ethel Merman and then cut to Ethel Ethel Merman getting out of a bed and doing a little song (laughs) and dance. Um, So that was funny. I like that. But again, Ethel Merman's not topical in 2021. (laughs) Right. So... Like, she probably wasn't even topical in 1980, <laughs> but people remembered who she was. Now, and I, I'd be hard-pressed to know if anybody knows who Ethel Merman I've heard the name, but I've never seen her in my life, and so this right. is my first time actually seeing who she was. And here, a flight attendant. Uh, we kind of talked about this scene a little earlier, but a flight attendant decides to play a little song to this girl who's sick and has her health issues. And her song is very beautiful. It's making everybody happy and smile. But as she's singing it, she's knocking out the IV and other stuff uh, (laughs) that this girl and she's just, you know, this girl's like writhing in like pain and near death and like suffering and whatnot. You know, you know, not getting her medicine or something and everyone's clapping and smiling. And I laughed. (laughs) I legitimately enjoyed this moment. Kid suffering is just the funniest thing to me, man. (laughs) But it was funny. I mean, again, the dark humor, the the kind of stuff that, you know, I don't know, that we're not supposed to laugh about. Right. And you're you're allowed to laugh about it is is the things I appreciate the best. It's 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 why I like like a like a Bill Hicks comedy or, or Dave Ch- Dave Chappelle comedy or any of like the good comedies are all the ones who are they're making you laugh about shit that you're not supposed to be laughing about. Mm-hmm. And that's why you know they're a good comic. Yeah. Uh next, Ted is sitting next to James Hong. Yeah. And here is where he's a uh, just another random person who's going to be kind of telling his story to. Um, but I've got to mention James Hong. We love him. Lopan. Yep. He is uh, the, the host from the Chinese episode or the Chinese restaurant episode. Uh, the namesake of the Cartwright Seinfeld uh, Seinfeld podcast. Um, listen to that if you want to listen to me talk about Seinfeld. All right. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he tells him a whole flashback story. Um, one of them, like kind of with a, an African tribe. I do find it funny Elaine having a Tupperware party with them, which is kind of like you know like an Avon party or something. It's usually it's something that you would, you know, it, it's it's funny because that was a thing that actually happened. She was showing them Tupperwares, but like it's something that like suburban housewives would like do and and sell to each other that kind of thing. Yeah. And also here, Ted mentions that, you know, oh, these issues and his plane thing, it's led to his drinking problem. And then he actually takes a drink and he has a problem actually drinking. Right. Dumb. Like that is a surface dumb joke. But I liked that. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, I see what they did there. They took the words drinking problem and turned it to a day. He has a problem figuring out how to drink. Right. (laughs) And they just and they do it randomly in a couple other spots after this. And it just. It works mm-hmm. that they just pull it back to. So, and we get back to we cut out of the flashback, and our Japanese soldier is uh, committing seppuku <laughs> right now. <laughs> Another suicidal thing because Ted's stories are so fucking boring. <laughs> A woman uh, is on the plane, sick. Is this the? Yeah, we had this weird egg gag with her. I yeah didn't get that. 
Yeah, I didn't quite understand it other than just it was a visual gag. Yeah, it was just exactly. It was like Leslie Nielsen. We meet Dr. Rumack, who's uh, Leslie Nielsen doing this. But I guess right before that, John, we get the line that I've heard you say back in the cockpit. We cut pretty quick is the line that I've heard you say more than anything else. Have you ever been in a Turkish prison? Joey, have you ever been in a in a Turkish prison? <laughs> I haven't, John. What happens in a Turkish prison? I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> you know what? I don't even really know, but it's still funny. I don't know either, but you, you can assume it has something to do with touching little boys um, <laughs> because it's back to Captain Over fantasizing or <laughs> checking in with this little Joey. So, But yeah, and then we get the egg gag. I also thought it was weird that none of the other sick people had eggs pop out of their mouth mm-hmm. like that that one did. But And also, it was so blatantly obvious. Like Leslie Nielsen's sleight of hand is not slight at all. Yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> So it particularly didn't work when I was like, I can see like you have something in your hand before you move to her <laughs> mouth. I'm sorry, Mr. Nielsen, you're not doing a good job, but oh well. We also see that Victor in the cockpit faints, uh, you know, so Captain Over goes to check with the, with the doctor about this. Uh, another good uh, wordplay dialogue right here. Captain, how soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. Or can't you take a guess? Well... Not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? So the plane kind of goes wild while uh, Captain Over heads heads out to go talk to the doctor. And apparently now Roger has fainted as well. So I did find this kind of strange. When they pulled him out, he's now wearing his basketball attire. I thought that was funny. It's funny. I wonder <laughs> why, though. Like, because when he fainted... Just a call back to the... Yeah. Yeah. The Lakers joke. Um, And so... They're starting to think, oh, maybe there's something to do with the food. Maybe it was the fish. Everybody who's getting sick had ate the fish. Mm-hmm. So, okay. It's really not a big plot. I mean, they, they they mention it quite a bit, but it really doesn't come up. <laughs> like, there is no solve for it. Uh, there's actually some contradictions to it. Um, and so I'm like, I wonder why. I don't know. What's the contradiction uh, they, to it? Well, uh, there's so there's a lady. So you, we see a husband. Uh, uh, this couple who had, and I think they had kids, but the both the wife and the the husband had the fish. Only the husband gets sick; she doesn't, and it's never talked about. Like we see that we see that the wife multiple times. She even says, "Oh, I, we both had the fish," and she never gets sick, mm. not once. Well, maybe she just has a stronger constitution than he does. I guess so, but I just I just thought it was strange. Which I actually found out an interesting fact talking about fish. Um, and constitutions? Might, no, constitutions. Because uh, we kind of, I, I don't know if we're quite there yet, but obviously all three of the pilots get sick. That is the next thing I had, that the captain uh, was also had the fish, and he's starting to show symptoms too. Yes, which is actually, there is a rule on airplanes. The flight crew is not allowed to all eat the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah, they must <laughs> have different meals for that very reason. Just in case one of them, just in case one of them causes someone to get sick. That's funny. Uh, So yeah, so Captain's getting sick, and as the plane shakes, we get a very unnecessary (laughs) shaky camera on a (laughs) bit of Jello, and then it it pans over to very jiggly boobies. I wouldn't say that's unnecessary, Adam. I exactly. I was gonna say my next line. I'll allow it. I will allow it. I mean, that is just a dumb visual, but boobies, <laughs> but boobies, yay boobies. Then they turn on the autopilot to help them, and it's just this inflatable named Otto. And I've seen that inflatable f- before for sure. That's like he's kind of like a a mascot for the airplane franchise. I feel. Mm. 
McCroskey, we cut to him, who is Lloyd Bridges. He is uh, on like the ground. He is, what is that? Not the, They're not called the ground crew. Air traffic control. Thank you, air traffic control. So he's there and he's talking to Elaine over the radio. And so we kind of cut down and kind of like getting their aspects as well from this. Now, did you recognize one of the guys that he's talking to on the crew? I did. Yes. I did. And his name is Kenneth Toby. Mm-hmm. And where did we see him last? Last time we talked about him, we were talking about him with our dad on Billy Jack. That's right. He was the uh, deputy who beat up his pregnant daughter, um, mm-hmm. and then he ended up he ended up getting his by the end of the movie too. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you, Billy Jack. You got Billy Jacked. Yes, he did. <laughs> Jacked and stacked. Oh my God! <laughs> if we could have a Billy Jack and Robert Stack together, that's uh, that's what we need. We need that kind of film. <laughs> and also, we get a very famous line. Uh, well, not the most famous line, but the start of a famous line here, where uh, McCroskey goes it's like i picked the wrong week to quit smoking and he starts lighting up and that immediately triggered me like oh i know where this is going to go <laughs> um, because it's a, it's it's one, another one of those famous lines that everybody's heard yes even if they haven't seen the movie so yeah. but he wants to get rex kramer to come help so that's we'll meet him soon enough uh, altitude is dropping because auto is deflating and elaine has to perform a uh, blow him back up this is just a <laughs> Dumb innuendo gag because the nozzle is conveniently located on the belt. inflatables belt yeah. area. And so she has to, looking like she's giving him head, it's funny. It's dumb funny. <laughs> Otto, the inflatable, has a big smile on his face that you see. Uh, and they have a little smoke after. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> dumb. But, you know, I giggled. Yeah. I thought it was cute. <laughs> the doctor needs uh, someone who can land the plane. You know, they have all the all the pilots are gone. And they, we need someone to land this plane. We cut to Ted with his drinking problem. Right. And that's just a, just a quick cut to him and then back. And I was like, all right, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So even like some of the editing and just the timing work does work pretty well yeah. in the film. Elaine asks if anyone can fly a, fly a plane uh, over like the uh, the speaker, and obviously there becomes mass panic in the uh, in the cabin, including mass panic where just a topless woman, <laughs> you just literally close, just runs up. You don't see her head, you don't see really below or mid waist. Right. It is just boobies shaking, being scared, and she runs <laughs> off screen. I'll allow it. <laughs> it's the it was the eighties and the yeah the seventies moreover, but. Random boobies for no other reason than boobies. But you know what? I like boobies. <laughs> and they were a decent pair, so I am okay with this. All right. A random guy. Uh, this who was, who was this guy that they sent to go get Kramer? Uh, just some lackey. Yeah, just some random lackey that I didn't give a shit about. Uh, but we meet Rex Kramer, who's kind of a badass. Um, his dog attacks the guy, and Kramer's not even paying attention. I guess that was supposed to be funny. I didn't really find it funny at all, or it didn't seem necessary. Yeah. I would have rather had Rex Kramer just either enter up on his own or something. Like, I didn't need that scene at all. Mm-hmm. I know. I actually probably think, yeah, yeah. There's a other just better visual ways to, to do that, or, or just to get Kramer there. It's yeah. really unnecessary. But I did like the mirror gag, though. What was the mirror gag? They show they, He walks up to a mirror, and he's putting his stuff on, and then the next thing, he puts his cap on, and he walks through what you think is the mirror. Oh, I didn't. For some reason, I did. Maybe I was looking at the dog the entire time, oh. or if that was that, or I missed some some shot. Okay, I'll have to. I'll have to see again. There's a lot of little visual gags that you might be looking one way and see something, and then there's another one that I that I just happened to miss, or maybe I was taking a note at that time. Okay. Uh, Ted is telling his story now now to this Indian guy who is already 
pouring lighter fluid all over himself and he's about ready to set himself on fire but this other steward stewardess uh comes and grabs ted need they need him for the cockpit so they help fly the plane the indian guy's life is saved haha good for him but he gets in there and the doc the doctor asks can you fly this plane and here we get what is probably the most used line uh in pop culture from this film can you fly this plane and land it surely you can't be serious I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Like that line right there is it, it, to me. That's that's the number one line from the food from the film. Yeah, definitely the most quoted. So, yep, I mean it is good. It's funny. Uh, obviously, a wordplay on the homophones of Shirley and the name Shirley, mm-hmm. um, which actually I do like that they bring that back up again later. Yeah, you know, like, there's a sign. There's another scene like you know, ten minutes from now where he says, "And stop calling me Shirley." Yeah, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, cool. So it's, it wasn't just literally, and a lot of these gags that the single lines that are quoted, like either the Turkish prison or the, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Mm -hmm. And then also the, the one, the sniffing glue one that we're going to get in a little bit. And this one, none of them are really one-off gags, right? They're all set up pretty damn well. And then used in a proper fashion where it's not just like a, I would say, you know, with a lot of, and they do have some of the one-off line gags in here too, but like with some of the, um, like Mel Brooks movies or other stuff like that, it is literally like, here's a one line gag that, is just for this one silly moment, and then you're going to get a totally different thing, and they're not really cohesive or, mm-hmm. or have any through lines. But this one, I really do appreciate, you know, the writing and, st- and the style of the writing because they're setting you up here yeah. for for these. So they talk Ted into flying the plane, but he's obviously scared. Uh, and then we get a, get a good long visual gag of the pan. A pan. I keep saying gag a lot, but that's what <laughs> that's what this stuff yeah. is a pan of all the dials and buttons as he's freaking out about it. And I don't know. I, I, I enjoy that. You know, that's, I've seen that in a lot of different comedies. Like if it's the space balls opener where the, where the spacecraft is way longer than you expect or <laughs> right. other things like that. Um, or even like the family guy, Peter hurts his knee and he oh, does, yeah. and he does his little like, ah, ah, for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's one of those kind of things where like, ah, oh, this is not funny anymore. And then, okay, then it comes back to being funny, and it's and it hasn't changed, but it still it still works. Then we cut to the taxi guy in the car, and he's still there waiting for Ted to to take him out. And I liked that cut. Yeah, I was like, oh, I forgot about him. Yeah. That is a good callback. <laughs> Kramer and the uh, other guy, the random dude, are driving back. Now this might be the really the only reason that it, I enjoyed Kramer having to come from home. Mm-hmm is getting this dumb fake screen behind them as they're driving. Just it's, it's driving ridiculously. And then they cut in like an old Western footage and right. shit like that, that they're just really emphasizing the, the bullshit fakeness of it. And it, I appreciated that kind of farcical humor there. Yeah. So we see a hysterical woman on the plane where multiple people are shaking her and slapping her. Eh, kind of funny, but yeah, definitely old school humor on that one. Kramer goes to the airport and he, we just see him as he comes in. He just beats the shit out of all of those Harry Krishnas and beggars. Uh, he doesn't take shit. It just set, it sets up Rex Kramer is not a man you fuck with. Right. I like that. Uh, another a fun, quick little visual gag that I liked, which was baggage claim is backwards, where all of the humans are on the baggage claim and they get off when they get to their luggage, which is placed on the ground. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've always wanted to do that. That that does sound awesome. Much more efficient for me. <laughs> Kramer, he gets there, uh, and you know, with all the stress, there's another another good line from uh, Lloyd Bridges. It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. 
and you get a big swig of him drinking something. Kramer calls Ted, and he has to try and talk him into you know how to fly the plane. And apparently, they they knew each other in the war and mm-hmm. not not fans of each other. Ted disengages the autopilot at this point, and we see that. The plane starts shaking, going crazy. Uh, Otto flies off and starts <laughs> flying everywhere and basically humping Elaine and grabbing her and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's funny because it's just a goddamn inflatable, but it seems to have a mind of its own. Yep. The passengers ask the doctor what's up. Uh, this visual gag didn't do it for me, but, you know, Leslie Nielsen as the doctor, he's telling he's lying to them about what's going on. And you see his nose growing and growing. Ha ha ha. Uh, Pinocchio. Eh, that one just, you know, not not the best joke in the film. Uh, another jive talk gag scene, another jive talk scene, where this is the more classic jive talk scene where an old lady, she's like, oh, I talk jive, and they kind of talk back and forth with each other, as she, with her as a translator. Mm-hmm. Just hang loose, blood. She's going to catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama raised no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. I did appreciate that one. I thought that was pretty funny. That's one of my favorite gags in this movie. Yeah, that's good. I mean, she, <laughs> I mean, at the, by the end of it, they're like kind of going at each other right. and she's just, she doesn't back down. She's like, you know, you jive turkey and stuff <laughs> like that. So just walks off. I like it. Captain Over's wife is apparently having an affair with a horse. Yeah, that part was weird. Unnecessary scene. I I didn't get it. Uh, he also had a particularly young-looking wife for an older-looking dude, but he's a pilot in, like, the 70s slash early 80s. I guess that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the air traffic control, we see that they're having issues. A little another wordplay joke about a radar range they're they're out of radar range or something about that which apparently i did look up was a term for like a microwave uh, back in the day okay and so that's why you get that joke of check the radar range and he opens it up and so like, oh it needs about two more minutes <laughs> you know as they have a turkey in there but ha 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 funnier for the time only because the that wordplay doesn't work as well now yeah Apparently, news of the plane is now hitting the media. We're just we're seeing that uh, a woman on the plane does some coke. <laughs> okay, uh, and then the uh, the jive guy, one of the jive guys, pukes at this nun's rendition of respect, and I agree with him right there. <laughs> she did a terrible rendition of respect. It was a very white rendition. <laughs> it was. R e s p c t. Find out what it means to me. R e s p c t. Take out TCP. Suck to me, 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 suck to me. A little bit. And then here I brought up all the time I'm thinking to myself, why is the woman who was sitting next to her husband who said she ate fish not getting sick? Is this going to be addressed? I mean, you know how I think. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck, lady? But, you know, that's not the point of this film. Ted has flashbacks of planes and other little flying machines crashing. I thought that was, you know, eh, kind of silly. I liked that. Uh, the oil pressure is having issues. He says, oh, no, the shit's going to hit the fan. And then they cut to uh, air traffic control, a fan, and shit hits it as Rex Cameron walks by. I it, That was good. It's so stupid that it made me giggle. <laughs> it's so stupid it made you giggle. It's also quick, and they don't linger on yeah. it. It just happens, and you move forward. And it's funny. So Ted leaves and he puts Otto back onto flying the plane. 
the doctor tells Ted that uh, tell, tells him a little story kind of to motivate him. Apparently, he was the doctor for one of the guys that Ted feels responsible for who told him, oh, no, it wasn't this guy's fault. All this kind of shit. I don't know if it was bullshit or not, but, you know, it motivates Ted to get back on it. And so he goes back into the cockpit and this guy. All right, John. If I had to tell you, if you had to guess who was my least favorite character in the entire fucking movie, do you know who it would be? <laughs> Probably my wife's favorite character in the entire fucking movie. Oh, God, don't tell me. Who who was her favorite? Was it was it Johnny? I don't know this guy's name, but he was the annoying fucker in the air traffic control group who always had some little silly-ass stupid comment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how is that your wife's favorite? she thought he, he was, was hilarious. He was so annoying. Oh, I hated him. <laughs> I, I, he just annoyed the shit out of me. I didn't think he was that. I thought he was funny. Some of the stuff I thought was a little unnecessary, but I did think he was funny. My The only thing that I actually liked that he said it was, I think um, Lloyd Bridges' character hands him a sheet of paper uh-huh. and says, what do you make of this? And he says, well, I can make a little pterodactyl, I, or I can make like a plane, I can do that, I can make a pterodactyl. And he's just doing silly, that stupid stuff. I was like, all right, that was fun. That's my favorite I line get- out of the ones he's done. That's the one I've quoted the more. Is if somebody goes, what do you make of this? I'm like, well, you can make a hat or a brooch or a pterodactyl. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was funny. Everything else the guy did, I wanted to shoot him in the face. <laughs> I think the, a lot of his lines seem like they are references to things that I don't know anymore. Yeah. Like the whole, like tell- the whole Leon's getting larger. I feel like that oh, was like a commercial yeah. or something like that that was airing at the time that they – you know that they were he was referencing because from what i understand mm-hmm. that guy improved a lot of his lines that that's what i was gonna say is it seemed like it was an improv kind of character yeah although his so. his line to the lady he's <laughs> like oh that dress and that sh-, that one also made me laugh okay all right uh the ground crew is starting to uh you know ready you know the landing strip and whatnot uh, and ted takes control elaine's so proud of him right now uh kramer gives him directions on how to land through the frog and here, because of the stress, we get that great line from Lloyd Bridges' character. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Good elevation from smoking to drinking to sniffing glue. We actually uh, you missed one. There's one in between. Oh, was there yeah, the one that I missed? He, there's one where he takes pills. He goes, I guess, uh, I, guess I uh, picked the wrong week to quit, quit taking amphetamines. Oh, okay. Amphetamines. I didn't miss that one then. Yeah, there's one in the middle yeah. there. Gotcha. Well, then again, good buildup. Yeah, absolutely. And the good and another and fun, stupid uh, visual of him sniffing the glue and then <laughs> falling backwards. So that was good. But through the insanity, they land the plane, uh, or they're you know working on landing the plane. <laughs> Ted is pouring with sweat, you know, overtly pouring. Uh, and the wheels fall off, and the plane slides to a halt. Oh God, they survived. That's, you know, yay, they survived at the end. There's a romantic kiss between Ted and Elaine, uh, and Otto flies the plane away. Funny, because he's just a inflatable thing. Uh, he also has a... Inflatable girlfriend? Female that... In, yeah, a female inf- inflatable that flies up with him, uh, and he gives a wink, <laughs> and <laughs> the movie's over. And we get some visual credits uh, as, uh, you know, these main these different characters, and um, even Otto gets one himself, Otto playing himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that reminded me a little bit of uh, poor R2-D2 getting one for himself, Kenny Baker not getting shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, from the uh, uh, Star Wars Holiday Special. Yep. But, yeah, and the credits roll, and the movie is done. Except there is an end credit scene. And I watched through because I was like, this is the kind of movie that might have an end credit scene. And it did, and they cut back 
to the guy in the taxi. Yeah. And and he looks at his watch. He's like, well, I'll give him another 20 minutes, but that's it. <laughs> I liked that. That was good. You know, I, I really do appreciate cutting back to that guy. And, and um, just that, again, a lot of the jokes, though, they seem like one off or, or for they seemed like one off to me because I only ever heard them in one off scenarios from random people. Mm-hmm. But seeing them in their context, I absolutely appreciate the writing on this film. Yeah. How about I go first sure. because this is my first time with one and then someone who has seen this before, you getting your take okay. on rewatching it. So I absolutely can see why so many people laud this as an all-time great comedy. The quick visual gags, the quick dialogue is very strong. What wasn't strong for me was nostalgia. It was simply right. that. The only thing holding this film back for me really was nostalgia and just being fully out of the time period, probably missing a couple of those kind of jokes that we had talked about. So I will probably never really consider this movie funnier or better than Top Secret or Hot Shots or any of those other kind of like types of films because I didn't see them when I was younger. And so I I, I don't have that recognition. But, you know, even though this one didn't blow me away, I really had a good time. I appreciated it and I absolutely understand like, you know, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't the first of those types of films because, you know, Blazing Saddles was in the 70s and other ones, you know, um, Young Frankenstein, other other like farcical kind of movies were earlier. But this one does a really good job and I have to give so much praise to the writers because that that the 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 use of wordplay the the puns and the you know the the homophone jokes all that kind of literally all of just like the intelligent wordplay humor it made me be like okay i will not rip on anybody who uh loves this film and is quoting this movie because i absolutely appreciate it and so it gave me gave me a better better appreciation for some more of these funny humors and or funny silly silly kind of comedies and if more of them if more of them are done like this, as opposed to, you know, those parody movies that kind of came on after like the scary movie, mm-hmm. like they did like the, like uh, not another teen uh, movie and not, yeah, well, I, not another teen movie. I'm a, I'm a actually a, quite a fan of, but like they did one for like disaster movie, right. uh, but there is all in that same kind of thing, same vein there. What they're missing is quality writing. Yeah. And if you have that quality writing and just that those good wordplay, then like the visual gags, as dumb as they are, they work still too. So yeah, this one good good job. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh well for me, I kind I guess as I could say I kind of have the nostalgia. I probably watched this movie for the first time uh, probably in high school. But it is a film that I probably watch at least once every year. Oh well. I I'll go back to it if it's on if it happens to be on TV or something like that, I might uh, switch to it. Um, to me, the jokes still land. Um, but if you watch it on TV, John, you're going to miss all those boobies. The unnecessary, <laughs> you're but, right. You're but right. Quality boobies. <laughs> but uh, my uh, my wife was actually absolutely excited to watch this. She she gut laughed throughout the whole thing, um, which I you know makes it more enjoyable for me. Just mm-hmm. because when she laughs at it, it seems more funny. Mostly because she seems funny when she laughs, but. <laughs> she, she kind of has a big laugh she does yeah so i mean it, it, it's a classic i absolutely love this film uh, there's no mystery there I, I was i think it was plain that i was gonna love this film before you know we went in 
Um, mm-hmm. And the, you get, I agree with you. The writing is smart, and that's why. And that's why, even with some of the jokes being dated, it's to me, it still makes this movie timeless. Is everything works? Um, in like, in this movie was parodying airplane disaster movies from the late seventies, like Airport Airport seventy seven and Zero Hour, and and other ones like that. Okay. And so, and in fact, in some cases, they were actually parodying specific scenes, but you don't have to have watched them to get mm-hmm. the jokes and to to enjoy the movie all the way through. And I think that's why people consider this one of the all-time classics. Now we're going to talk unsolved mysteries. All right, so bear with me. This, this show has been on and off the air a little bit. Uh, it first came on in 1987, and it ran until 1997 on NBC. And then from 97 to 99, it was on CBS. And then from 2001 to 2002, it was on Lifetime. And then from 2008 to 2010, it was on Spike TV. And then just last year, in 2020, Netflix revived it for a 12-episode reboot. Mm-hmm. So this show has been on multiple different networks, you know, multiple, you know, different uh, time frames. The different hosts that have uh, been on Unsolved Mysteries, the um, early, there were seven early specials that they shot that were hosted by uh, Raymond Burr, Carl Malden, and Robert Stack. Uh, Raymond Burr was Perry Mason and Ironside mm-hmm. in those classic shows. Carl Malden uh, has been in classic movies like On the Waterfront, Streetcar Named Desire, Patton, lots of stuff. Uh, and then Robert Stack, who we've already mentioned, but he ended up being like the main, once they actually went into uh, a main series as opposed to just a couple early specials, Robert Stack took as like the main guy. Um, later on, Virginia Madsen became a host. She was in Dune, like the, the mm-hmm. 80s Dune. She was in the Candyman movie. She was in Sideways. Yeah. And then the uh, Spike TV version, Dennis Farina, uh, was a host. And he has been in Get Shorty, Manhunter. I actually remember him best from Snatch, the small role he had mm. in that. And so, yeah, a slew of different hosts. And then also there were some other people who, uh, because, well, all right. So this show, if anyone doesn't know, is a mystery documentary style show. Uh, basically, I I watched like two episodes for this, uh, and I made sure to watch Robert Stack episodes. I mm-hmm. didn't want to watch anybody else because yeah. um, this is this is the Stack Attack, as we've said. <laughs> that's this that's this episode. So basically, he narrates um, about the facts and details of either these murders or other kind of strange events, these unsolved mysteries, exactly of what whatever it is, uh, and then you also get. Typically, like, some interviews. And then the thing that I really remember is these very cheesy-looking reenactments yeah. uh, that they always do of whatever's happening, which it works. I like that style. Um, my wife has actually gone through and seen just about every damn episode of Unsolved Mysteries because she is she's a, a true crime fan, yeah. you know? Uh, and so she liked this show. Because of those reenactments, there are a couple different people who made, like, their either early, early careers on this show. Mm-hmm. So uh, one person in 1992, while filming in Texas, they cast and used Matthew McConaughey to play a murder victim. Mm-hmm. That was actually his, uh, his earliest acting credit on IMDb. Oh, wow. So he started off right here on unsolved mysteries. Um, also Cheryl Hines, Daniel day, Kim and other people had very early uh, career roles um, as like doing those recreations mm-hmm. uh, on this show. 
as there were a lot of network changes and such, as I mentioned before, there were also some theme song changes. Mm. But I'm going to mention like the one that I consider the classic version. I really like it. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? It is. It's good. It's got, I mean, they really do a good job of like putting in like the mystery kind of eerie sounds to it. Yeah. Um, like, so I like really a vocal appreciate swelling. Uh... Yeah. It, it was very good. And then they, uh, they also, the one that they had after that one was just far less good. Mm-hmm. It was actually not, it wasn't good at all. They kind of almost went, I don't know, more, even more into like the eerie sounds. Uh, and then there was a even later version that I heard that was way worse where they kind of sped up. They kind of used like the classic one, mm-hmm. but they sped it up and they added some like laser sounds to it. Pew, pew. Exactly. It was really <laughs> shitty. So, uh, but yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, my, my wife enjoyed the show and it is pretty interesting. Um, any, any person out there who likes true crime, I think should watch these. Yeah. I also always appreciated whenever they had updates yeah. on uh, the updates, it's like, oh, you know, cause part of the things they do is like, oh, Hey, they get the, the information out and somebody might watch the show and be like, oh, I know that person. Or, you know, they see a picture, you know, or whatever, or they've heard something. And they've actually helped solve crimes, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. For me, Robert Stack's voice, oh, it's iconic in this it's show. It's like butter, isn't it? It's so good. It's so kind of deep and, and serious, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's funny because some of the stuff they talk about is just ridiculous, like superstition conspiracy shit. And you get Robert Stack just, he sounds like, <laughs> like, I mean, like a intense detective kind of a voice. Yeah. Um, or something, and I do, I just, it works really well. And he was always dressed up in that trench coat. Big ass trench coat. Absolutely. There are no plot points right. to go over. There's no through lines. I don't really know what else to talk about on this show. But, okay, what I haven't mentioned is, did we watch Unsolved Mysteries when we were younger? Like, what? what is our nostalgia for Unsolved Mysteries? John, let's start with you. I absolutely watched it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of been a, not like a heavy true crime fan, but kind of like a, like a backdoor true crime fan where I like to watch it. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one in my house that likes to watch true crime. So like Mm. my wife doesn't like to watch true crime all that much. So Uh she doesn't watch any of that stuff with me. However, when I put on unsolved mysteries, we ended up watching like four or five episodes in a row. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I start, I, we watched uh, airplane and then. It's like, all right, well, I'm just going to watch a, an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, um, which mm-hmm. a bunch of full episodes are available on YouTube. Okay. And, in, and they're also, in, there's some on Hulu right now as well. Okay. And in good quality too, actually. Okay. Like full episodes, no commercials. It's, it's, they're good. 
And we ended up watching like four or five episodes to like one in the morning. Nice. Because they, I, I, I like true crime stuff, so I was going to keep watching it. And mm-hmm. like every time we watched something, and I didn't watch them in an order, they weren't in an order. So, <laughs> you know, when one would happen, she's like, and it was it solved? I'm like, well, I don't know. She's like, well, you have to find out. I'm like, well, I'm not going to find out. There's no way I'm going to know. They are surprisingly, I would say, yeah, engaging and addictive. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, one, yeah, everything flows kind of pretty well. And they always put in, like, there's multiple different stories in each episode. So it's not like, here's 40 minutes right. on one thing. Like, here's, like, four or five different little weird mysteries. Yeah. And they all seem, they all, and the way that, you know, the narrator talks about them they all sound so damn interesting (laughs) like whatever it is and the reenactments help because it helps give you a little better visual cue of what's happening uh so yeah like this show i didn't really watch it that much i either watched it when either you had it on or maybe our dad or mom had it on i really don't even remember Mm -hmm. i remember seeing this show and i remember being nostalgic for absolutely aspects about this show but it wasn't one that was like scheduled viewing for me right but I always appreciated it, and even rewatching it now, those old ones, they're still quite enjoyable. I actually haven't watched any of like the, the Netflix reboot, but I've heard good things about those. I've seen them. They're good. Okay. Okay. Um, and they're, but they're not in a, the same style. Like They don't have a host or anything like that, right? Or did they? I don't they? think so. I mean, I think there's a narrator. It's not okay. anyone memorable. There's not like, yeah, it's not like a host, but I think there's a narrator, but it wasn't anything memorable. Like I couldn't tell you who it is. Um, okay. They're pretty good. There was, and interestingly enough, and I, I think it's good for them. Like, there's a couple of episodes that are not about the U.S. There was one about France, and there was one about Japan. And oh, in okay. both cases, the majority of the people talking are talking in their language and, and their subtitles. The problem for me was it was one of the things I was like watching before I went to bed. And so wow. I'm like, I'm kind of laying down and like, sometimes I'll just like, I'll, I'll just want to listen to a TV show. And that's one of the mm-hmm. ones that you can kind of listen to because they're narrating pretty much everything that's going on, yeah. except for when it's in another, <laughs> in another language. So I ended up skipping those episodes just because I was like, I'm too tired to read the subtitles right now. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say that it is a good show. Um, like the, like the classic ones is a good show to just have, have on in the background mm-hmm. because it does seem to just, you know, it sounds good and Robert Stack's voice is good, but you're right. You can kind of be on your phone playing, but you can just hear it and you still get almost, you know, still as much out of it because you can always look up and like, you know, see the reenactment or whatever, yeah. but you, you never really lost. No. Well, so. and even, even in the reenactments, I felt like nine times out of 10, they told you what was about to happen and then the yes. na- and then they reenacted it. And so you didn't really yeah. need to see it. True. Yeah. And uh, boom, mystery solved. <laughs> uh, we enjoyed and still respect Unsolved Mysteries. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... I'm Robert Stack. I'm proud to know Ronald Reagan as a friend and as a great president. I would like you to join me in commemorating eight years of the Ronald Reagan presidency. Now you can have this commemorative medallion, a permanent tribute to the Ronald Reagan era of American history, at the official issue price of $10. His genuine affection for our country and her people has made Ronald Reagan one of the most popular and best-loved presidents. This medallion has been engraved in exacting detail, is precision minted in solid pewter. It's the size of a silver dollar and is layered in 24 karat gold and offered for a limited time. It's a lasting tribute to this great leader and a way to preserve this period of American history for your 
yourself and your children. Order your Ronald Reagan commemorative medallions today for yourself or as a gift. This valuable collector's issue is sure to be treasured for years to come. Pay the $10 issue price plus $2 each for delivery. There is a limit of three medallions per order. Call this toll-free number now. And now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. And today we are going to do the unenviable task of having to recast the movie Airplane using actors of today. I'm interested to see how this goes because uh, this was tough for me. Yeah. Oddly enough, the one the one that I had the absolute most difficult time casting was the main character, Ted Stryker. Yeah. I, I, I've got a, my role for that one, and I'm still not sure about it. The funny thing is, like, my list of potentials for Dr. Rumek, Rex Kramer, and Steve McCroskey are almost all the same kind of people just thrown Because I feel like any, I'm not going to lie, Lloyd Bridges and Leslie Nielsen are pretty similar mm-hmm. actors in pretty similar styles. So, like, you could kind of put whoever you put in one, you could put in the other. And even, like, Rex Kramer, I think, had some similar stuff for me. Yeah. But I went with a lot of older actors. But I, I did, I, too. I'm happy. And then, but I, but I agree. I'm least confident in my main character. <laughs> so the funny thing is about uh, Leslie Nielsen, this was his first comedic role. He was not known for being a comedic actor. Everything he had done up to that point was serious, you know, serious roles. Oh, wow. So, I mean, we all think of Leslie Nielsen as being this comedic actor, but that this movie Airplane, that's what kicked it off. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, had no idea. Uh, so we're going to do a, a good number of characters. I mean, there there's a lot of memorable, you know, characters that came up that you could do, but we're going to do uh, Ted Stryker, Elaine, Dr. Rumack, uh, Rex Kramer, Captain Over, Roger Murdoch, and Steve Murkowski, who was the Lloyd Bridges character. Uh, and we'll start right there with uh, Murkowski, and I'll go ahead and start us off. With as, with as much love as I had for this film, it was very hard to visualize anybody else most of the time mm. in these roles. This was this was one specifically I had kind of a hard time thinking of somebody else other than Lloyd Bridges being in this role. But I, I I'm happy with my choice. I you know you need somebody who it, it it's funny because you know most of the time these guys, especially all these characters, are acting serious. The comedy is kind of what's happening mm-hmm. around them or to them. Yeah. Um. So they're playing it straight the vast majority of the time. I needed somebody who could give me that seriousness, but I know has done a few comedic things that could give me that timing. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in my choice. I went with Steve Buscemi. Oh yeah, I like that. He absolutely. I've seen. I mean, he's a great actor. He's very versatile, mm-hmm. and I've seen him do some really intense dramas, and I've seen him do some fantastic comedies. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean he's that's kind of why I picked him cuz you know, you you've seen mm-hmm. him just do all, you know, he's played from, you know, Reservoir Dogs when he's very serious to mm-hmm. that dumb role he had in Mr. Deeds when he was like that kooky guy. Yeah, with the weird eyes yeah. and that kind I of mean, shit. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, been yeah. in kids movies. That the guy can do anything. So, he I can. was pretty confident so. in his ability to play that role. So, Absolutely. Who'd you go with? So yeah, I went with a similar kind of mindset on on who I picked. I just went with a different person um, where I wanted somebody who, yes, he had to play serious, but his serious, even his serious kind of always comes off across a little cheesy to me. Mm-hmm. You know, not I'm not going to say Nick Cage level <laughs> when, it, when he's playing serious, but, he kind of, but it's he, he's kind of partway there. And I've seen him do comedy stuff quite a bit. And I think uh, I think him just being serious and he kind of like he kind of overacts. And I think that that would work well for this kind of role. Uh, I went with Jeff Goldblum. Okay. 
Yeah, I can see that. If you can kind of, yeah, you know, you know, think about like his stuff in uh, even like Jurassic Park. You know, he's he's uh, talking so exactly, but he's just it's kind of comical, but he's being serious, right? So, and even you know, he's doing stuff with the Marvel universe recently, and it's it's silly, right? But he's also always kind of kind of takes the role serious. So yeah, that was my thought. okay. Uh, cool. All right, uh, Roger Murdoch, who did you go with? Uh, you, you got to stick to a athlete. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing on this one. The whole gag is someone recognizes the, the, the person. I did want to mix it up just a little bit and give some uh, female love. Mm. Um, also cause I wasn't, I didn't change any of the other roles. Uh, I didn't gender swap any of the others. This one I thought would be a good one. And with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being an all time great, I went with another all time great. I went with Serena Williams as my okay. other, my non, yeah. you know, but she, she's incredibly recognizable. I don't think she can act much, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar didn't act much. Uh, and so I think it would, it, you know, you could put most any big basketball or not big, but but any big athlete, athletic star into this. Okay. One. I like the switch. I uh, like the, okay. with uh, Serena Williams. So I'm totally on board with that. Cool. Uh, I did stick to the basketball. Okay. Um, and I, there's no mystery. I went with this guy because he's one of the modern greats. And actually, he seems like he can, like, joke around. So, mm-hmm. like, this to me, this absolutely seems like something he would do. I just went with LeBron James. That was even the first name that I wrote down. Because mm-hmm. I was like, if I, if I was going to stick to basketball, I would have stuck with LeBron James. I would have done the same thing. I mean, there are, you know, there are other good basketball players, obviously. But, like, if you've ever, like, watched LeBron James just yeah. in, in a person, he seems like the kind of guy you could goof around with. And he would, he seems like he would totally be up for a role like this. I agree. And if they, if they ever actually make the uh, Space Jam like sequel that they're supposed to do, or like they were going to do a Space Jam reboot with LeBron James, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I do think he would be a great call for that. Yeah. And so I think that absolutely is a, is a perfect fit. Okay. Uh, all right. Captain Over. Uh, we didn't bother with the navigator because he's not on there long enough. He doesn't have enough yeah. lines for really to uh, make it worthwhile. So I actually, this was, I think, the first one I cast. Peter Graves was kind of a silver-haired, almost mm-hmm. sort of an old matinee idol-looking kind of guy. So yeah. I went with uh, uh, another kind of silver-haired guy who is funny enough to take this seriously to do that role right. I went with George Clooney. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and he does comedy stuff. You know, you kind of haven't seen him do that stuff in a while, but he does it well. Uh, particularly, I think about like um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou or other stuff like right. that. Uh, yeah, I you know you've seen him in a as a pilot. I feel like in other movies or maybe multiple movies. So yeah, that works. Okay, if you can get the clunes for a fairly not not a small role, I wouldn't say, but <laughs> right. it's a very mid card role. But cool. this seems like the type of role he would do. I would agree. I would agree. Um, and I also went with another kind of a silvery fox kind of guy. I don't know if this guy's as good looking as the clunes, maybe, <laughs> but he's done some, uh, I've seen him in doing like some comedic cameos before, and I don't think he takes himself too seriously. So I think he would work well in a movie like this. I went with Scott Bakula as Captain Okay. Yeah, yeah. I totally see that too. Okay, cool. Especially because I see Scott Bakula on my TV all the time because dad, yeah, yeah. dad <laughs> likes to watch NCIS New Orleans. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Uh Rex Kramer. The whole reason we're here. Who did you go with? Oh, and and I this I didn't think too hard on this one. This is the the only reason that we're here. Rex Kramer, Robert Stack. 
He was funny because he was so serious, but he was also a badass. He's got a great voice. And so I want a guy with a guy who does all those three things. I've cast him probably a couple times, maybe too many times. I don't know if it's been too many times, but I absolutely adore him on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where he is exactly those kind of things where he can be intimidating, but he's funny as shit because he's so dry. And also he's got a great voice. I'm with Andre Brower. He's just, he's, I think, okay. great for the role. I've still never seen that show. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm definitely a big fan of it, but you know, you remember Andre Brower from I think Homicide: Life on the Streets, one of the main the main detectives on that show. He is just goddamn, he's funny, and damn, he is uh, he can be intimidating. I think he is a perfect uh, pick to take over the the Robert Stack role. Okay, right. yeah, I definitely recognize him. I've actually I've never seen Homicide: Life on the Streets. Oh, our mom watched the shit out of that show. Oh, really? I, abso- I absolutely remember watching uh, episodes of Homicide with mom. <laughs> okay. It's it's definitely one I, I would love to get to at some point. Cool. Oh, he was on he was on Law & Order SVU for a long time. Okay. I think that's where I've seen him before. He was there. Okay. So I went with a guy who had the voice. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he could do all of the karate moves that... Uh, it appeared Robert Stack did. <laughs> it did, yeah. It, they didn't cut away. It totally looked like it was not a double. Yeah, I was watching it. And I was like, oh, I was like, I was looking for like the thing. I was like, no shit, that really does look like it's him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he could do that. Okay. But all of the other, just the scenes of him like sitting down, talking to Stryker and all that stuff, and I think he's got a really good voice to match. I went with Alec Baldwin. Oh, okay. I can totally see that. He does got a good voice. Absolutely. No, I mean, and I know Alec Baldwin can 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 be goofy. He's, you know, he's proven that he can do very yeah. much comedy, but he has to play this one straight for it to work. He does, yeah. And I could see this is to me. I, I could also see him as a Doctor Rumac. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. I mean, he, but he's an actor. He could do any of those really well. Okay. Uh, all right. Speaking of Doctor Rumac, let's go to him. I I I'm not sure how you're gonna feel about my choice. Okay. So I because Leslie Nielsen. I knew was a just straight serious actor, and not that this guy's never done comedies, but like he's not known for his comedies. But I'm sure he could be really funny. But you don't need Rumac to be funny because he's again mm-hmm. the funny. The funny is this is what's being played off of the straight characters. Mm-hmm. But I really think that this guy could fit into this role. He is a little bit older, but that's fine. Doctor Rumac yeah. doesn't doesn't really matter. I went with Denzel Washington. Ooh, yeah. I mean, you do not think comedy when you think Denzel, but you're right. If if that's not where the comedy comes from, yeah, I'd like to see him do that. I would absolutely like him to see see him in that role. Yeah, I mean, you can't. You, if you've ever seen the movie Flight, it's a very serious movie, but it was punched with really comedic moments. Mm-hmm. And I I I I kind of thought of that okay. when uh, when when I was thinking of him. Have you seen that movie yet? I have not seen it. Seen that movie? It's a great movie. I watched it in the theater one time, and I was like, "That's awesome." I'm never going to see that again. Okay, <laughs> it's worth watching once. And I don't. Uh-huh. I don't. Th- I don't think you need to rewatch it after that. It is. It, it, it talks about some very serious things. Okay, but uh, John uh, John Goodman's in it, and who plays his coke dealer. So I think for that alone, yeah. you uh-huh. need to see the movie. <laughs> Good to know. Right, who did you go with? Uh, I went with an actor who. 
honestly, I, I thought could have been another good Rex Kramer if I needed to. Um, but I actually liked him for Rumac as well. Um, he is a guy who he's done mostly comedies. He's most famous for playing a very kind of serious guy. He has some kind of quirky, silly moments, but he's known for being very serious in particular. And actually, he played, he had a small role on Brooklyn Nine-Nine as Andre Brower's former lover. But uh, he he's a hilarious dude. I think he'd be great. I went with Nick Offerman as my Dr. Rumack. Oh, I love Nick Offerman. Yeah. And yeah, I could totally see him as a Rex Kramer, too. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, like, literally, my Rex Kramer, my first one was Andre Brower and then Nick Offerman. And then I had James Spader would be a potentially good one. Um, and then... For Dr. Rumek, I bet, oh, Nick Offerman. Oh, wait, but Andre Brower would be good, too. And then I thought of some other ones. I was like, damn, I could totally interchange them in, into either of those roles, and they'd be great. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Cool. All right, so Elaine, who did you go with? Elaine, um, just kind of, she, not much depth right. to Elaine. Uh, so maybe we can add some more to her. I think that would be good. I'm with an actress who I don't think, she's been in stuff. I actually kind of remember her most, I think, from... The old uh, Reba show, if you remember that sitcom. Mm -hmm. My ex in college uh, watched like CMT all the time. And so so I saw uh, some episodes of Reba. And I like Reba McIntyre. She's freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I saw this um, actress who played her daughter in it probably the most. But I also saw her in Not Another Teen Movie. I liked her. Uh, She's attractive, does like sitcoms and other comedy stuff because of like, you know, those two things. I went with Joanna Garcia. Okay. As my Elaine. Oh yeah, I remember her from not another team movie. Okay, yeah. I mean, she does. Yeah, exactly. She does. She does comedy stuff, so I think it it would work. So my pick, my my initial pick was so Elaine is very kind of soft spoken. Yeah, very true. And so I was like, you know, like I was just thinking, like you know, who are other actresses? I know that, and and or who could do that? Not necessarily, not necessarily that are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my initial pick was Jane Krakowski. Oh, I I don't think I don't think soft spoken when I think Jane Krakowski. Oh, okay, that's just me. That's just me because I think of her, I think like uh, Thirty Rock and she's pretty loud and boisterous. Okay. Anyway, I didn't end up going with her because she is older, a lot older than actually than I thought, and I needed her. I needed my Elaine to kind of match up with Ted, and I wanted Ted to be like in his thirties or something like that. So I yeah. ended up having to go with someone younger and i fought for a long time and then i just kind of settled on an actress who i think could work regardless i went with Kristen bell yeah yeah i mean she does comedy stuff i mean i haven't seen any of the good place but people really like it mm-hmm. uh she can i think absolutely play soft-spoken yeah um even even like forgetting sarah marshall she was pretty soft-spoken in that okay so yeah i think that i think that works i've never actually seen that movie i'm a fan i know you uh, are. if you've ever if you've ever wanted to see uh, Jason Siegel's penis. Uh, you could you get you get that. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you were curious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Ted Stryker. Ted Stryker. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not entirely confident on my pick here. Um, I I tossed around a couple different names. I thought about maybe Jesse Eisenberg, and then I just kind of settled in on this guy. I don't know why I did. You know, you don't need Ted to be funny per se. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he does like the the drinking gag and yeah. things like that. So, and this guy's not necessarily known for doing comedies. Actually, I don't think at all. But I think he could work. Uh, out of all the ones that I've cast, I would be the most susceptible to change on this one. Mm. I went with Miles Teller. Oh, okay. 
I don't hate it. Okay. Just thinking about I mean, I, you know. I mean, he's a good I mean, enough actor. He's He's been great in, in a lot of the stuff. Yeah. He was great in Whiplash. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd be willing to give him the shot to see if he could do it. Yeah. I, I mean, I heard Fan Four Stick was a joke. Fantastic Four was a joke. Right. So maybe, yeah, there you go. It's basically a comedy right there. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious how he's going to be in the Top Gun Maverick movie I, in that sequel. Have they said who his character is? Because I have a theory on who his character it's, is. It says Bradley Rooster Bradshaw. Okay. Is is what the credit says right now on IMDb. So. Okay. Yeah. And he was in, oh, he was in the, he played Willard in the uh, Footloose remake. Oh. You know, like the Christopher Penn. And Willard yeah. is kind of like a goofy-ish character. Yeah, that's true. So so, so I bet that I bet that would work. Okay. I didn't bother cool. to see it because the... No, the re- hell no. Why? Yeah, why just well, why? rewatch Kevin Bacon. Yeah, exactly. Why, fucking perfect. Why would you bother? Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. All right. Who did you go with? Uh, I went with an actor... Oh, wait. God, I thought... They, they, I saw a picture of the Top Gun. They have an image of Miles Teller mm-hmm. in the Top Gun, and I thought it was Pedro Pascal because oh, he looked he's exactly got like him. He's got a stash, and it's just like, that is Pedro Pascal, 100%, but no, it's Miles Teller. Anyway, <laughs> just kind of threw me through a loop. I went with uh, a, an actor who had definitely done comedies. Um, he is best known now for doing a superhero kind of comedy thing, which I didn't really like the movie, but I think if you kind of bring him back to some of his sitcom Chuck roots, I think he probably could be a pretty good Ted Stryker. I went with Zachary Levi. Yeah, I like that. Sure. I like that. Yeah. I think that could work just fine. I'd be all yeah. I'd be all for it. He can kind of play the straight guy. He can kind of play some goof stuff. So I think it it kind of it kind of all fits. Cool. Overall, I don't think bad choices. No, we didn't really do many real like curveballs. No, um, or any kind of like you know we didn't really like okay I'm re rebooting it, but I'm making sure to I don't know I didn't really make any big adjustments. Yeah. The only main swap I had was Serena Williams, right? Uh, and that's not even really a big swap, right? So nothing. It's kind of almost a one to one swap and that's that's fine yeah you know i could i could i could live with the with these casts yeah absolutely any any of them really all right that was our recasting of an airplane reboot please join us next time as john and adam get together to talk over their top 10 favorite card games if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get